we're continuing where we left off our in our study. The uh, we will have today. Oh, today's March twenty fourth, two thousand nineteen. We'll continue with our thought of the week and prayer. All right. So now we'll have the thought of the week. When comparing his Jewish heritage to what we found in Christ, he is willing to simply let it go. Beyond that, it is rubbish compared to what God has for him in Christ. Paul is fully seeing the plan and eternal purpose of God and embracing it. His Jewish resume must not compete with what God has called him to in the church. First, it cannot compare. For what was glorious has no glory now in comparison with the surpassing glory. Notice, it has no glory now when we compare it to what we have in Christ. If you, as a former Jew, are looking back, you cannot see the glorious way forward. Paul is not saying that Jewish heritage is rubbish or worthless at all. We must make sure we see this point. He recognizes that God, the God of Israel, and all that has happened in the past, their success and failures. In fact, Christ came within a historical Jewish context. What Paul is saying is he sees the church, which is now God's eternal purpose. He now sees something that is so glorious that he is swept away from everything he was in Israel. It cannot be all he was in Israel and accept God's call for him in the church. Considering this, he throws off everything that would hinder him from fully appreciating the unsearchable riches of Christ. We are created in Christ and simply are no longer Jew or Gentile. That is the reality. If we are still clinging to some past identity, we have not fully accepted God's reality. So surely uh, understanding this, it's probably just as hard for someone who has uh, historical heritage and trying to come into the the newness of Christ than it is for someone today uh, believing on the Lord Jesus Christ and looking away from themselves and coming to the saving knowledge. Uh, they're casting off all that they knew in the world, and here we see... Uh, someone who has a Jewish heritage trying to come in to the newness of life and trying to throw off everything that hindered, which is all they were under. So at this time, we'll have Dwight with a prayer. Thank you very much, Bill. Before I offer up the prayer or any specific request, I will definitely include our immediate and extended families, but if, is there any more that you want to bring your light? Yeah, I have a couple. Um, the Talmud family, they're in mourning of a lost one. Um, we keep them in special prayer. And my, well, she's an honor mine. Her name is um, Dorothy Flanagan. She's in the hospital. We're going to keep her in prayer, too. Hello, my family and my sponsor. Pray for me and, and, all, and all, pray for me and all that has asked me to pray for them. I can't remember. It's been so many. But just uh, keep me in thought. Okay. All right. Let us bow our heads before God in our hearts. Dear Father in heaven, we've come to you now at a time that we can um, put us, that we have put aside specifically so that we can investigate the calling that you have called us to and realizing that this is the most important thing about our lives here on the battlefield, knowing that there is an open book test coming, and we have been told what is going to be on that test. So let us be found blameless and, and without blemish as we, um, as we indeed um, stay true to the faith and, and this understanding how it applies to our lives in this church age. Let us be eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the Father of peace. I pray specifically for um, our immediate families and extended families, for ourselves on the call itself, 
that our hearts would be open to hear everything that you want to say and treasure it and, and pleasure in it, knowing that we are aligned with the God of the universe. Um, and this God is, is, has baptized us with his Holy Spirit so we can understand his deep thoughts. We pray for those who are sick and, and suffering um, in, in physical ways, uh, those that are, we know are in the hospital. Um, and we pray for recovery and comfort um, to those involved. We also pray for those who are grieving the loss of loved ones knowing that this is just a fact of life here on earth, that if life is temporary, it will go away. And uh, we, we pray that there will be uh, you know, comfort brought to those who are grieving and that they would see your glorious plan and see themselves in it. We pray also for Pastor Presley that the words that he preaches today will be are illuminating to us, that our spirits would be delighted with the witness that we are uh, hearing in, with the word of God, with the word of God, your word. And we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. 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 Thank you, uh, Dwight and Bill. We're going to continue where we left off last week. <clears throat> we are right in the middle of verse 9, which says... So we make it our goal to please him, whether we are away, whether we are at home in the body or away from it. You should have notes, and with your notes, ultimately it is our goal to please him. Obviously, we need to understand what pleases him before we can do so. We need to be sure our efforts are pleasing him, or we will be like those religious leaders of the Lord, our Lord's day. Quote, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They, they worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules, unquote. This is Matthew 15, 8 and 9. So we went through a lot of uh, thoughts uh, on so we make it our goal to please him. And in fact, we dealt with some of that in our Q&A, which was also good that we had opportunity to think about some of the lesson that is before us, some of the words, we could even bring out more, and I'm hoping you guys don't think I have all the points to make, I don't, so uh, that's why we need more illumination from different perspectives that gives us a full uh, orbed way of looking at uh, any particular point that God happens to be making to us. So we make it our goal to please him, our aim. And I'm hoping that we will all have that motivation. And that motivation is not just to hear the word of God. Now, this is where faith without works is dead, right? We could just hear the word, but it doesn't benefit us. Like we looked into a mirror, but then after we turned away, we forget what we were looking at in the first place. We, we, we don't, are not transformed by it. So the transformation process is painful. And if you haven't really felt that pain up to now, then uh, just know that it is coming because God will challenge the way you think. He will challenge that through his word. That's why it says the word is good for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. And we all will, will be trained by it, all of us. So as we read the word, we seek to conform to what we see there, what is revealed. So our understanding must continue to increase, but not just for the sake of knowledge, but for the sake of transformation so that we can better uh, execute the call that is on our lives. Right? We, we have a goal in how we think about this. But note, it is painful because the person that you 
have worked all of your life on, the person that you built and strived to be is the person that must die. God has another plan, another identity, another purpose for your life than what your intentions and dreams, imaginations were. So when they come in conflict, then the transformation process comes to bear. That's when decisions have to be made. Thinking has to be changed. Ways and priorities have to be uh, scrapped and then taken on new ma uh, priorities and values. And it's not easy to do that. Uh, we must admit that. And when, it, when, the, when the hard comes, at least we could know and be prepared that these things are coming. Right? It's not, oh, I'm surprised that this is different from where, you know, let, me, let me react by doubling down on my previous thought instead of opening my mind to, okay, God, you did say you were leading and guiding me. Now, here it is. Here's where it comes to bear. Here's where I have to depart from my way and be led by experience. So it takes some knowledge and wisdom and how these things go. I mean, everybody is responsible for their own spiritual life. As we said, when we get to the judgment seat of Christ, you won't say, well, you know, uh, Doug taught the wrong thing, so therefore, you know, you won't be able to claim that because... There is someone over me teaching your soul. It is God, the Holy Spirit. And your relationship to him is what determines uh, whether or not you do, in fact, allow yourself to be transformed or not. So uh, if I can help in that area, I can. But it is not me who takes you through that transformation process, literally, internally. That is God the Holy Spirit. So we're coming to that because the next verse is going to deal with that judgment seat of Christ, that evaluation of the things done while in the body. Now, obviously, we'll take more time next week when we get to that. But right now, we can talk about the motivation that is needed to get to that point. And we, we saw some of the back and forth here in this verse. So we're at this last part. I don't want to go on too much commentary. We, and then we'll be at, at this point next week again. So we did already talk about, so we make it our goal to please him. And point three is where we are whether we are at home in the body or away from it. So my first thought was, looking at that phrase, our motivation stays the same, constant. So we talked about the motivation in the previous point two, and we, we dealt with the middle voice where we have to have that motivation of ourselves. Right? God's not going to, uh, when it comes to humility, uh, you need to have it. You can't say, God, give me humility towards you, right? You, you, you could pray that prayer, but ultimately, it is a choice that you have within your own power. And you are responsible to God for listening to him as well. So you have that opportunity to have the proper motivation as you, you know you've seen all the evidence and now you have it <clears throat> so he says whether you depart you're, you're at home in the body or you're away from it that motivation is constant and we, we have to talk about both sides of it obviously because he gives both sides but in terms of our motivation it is the same whether we're here we're in, on the battlefield, home in the body, away from the Lord. 
our motivation does not change. I've seen some <clears throat> some people who have written things like, this person is so heavenly minded that there are no earthly good. Can we can we say that of ourselves? In other words, we we do have uh, a responsibility here while we're in the world. I don't see that as separate. I see that as part of the same. So we could be heavenly minded with the understanding that we must bear responsibilities while here. And, you know, the scripture tells us, set our mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now. And we, I think we covered that verse when we talked about transformation. Because it's not just a verse that says you should be transformed. It's a verse that says, this is the motivation. This is what you should be thinking about. This is what should be in your heart. And it deals with identity, purpose, all those things, right? You have to have the proper attitude in order to see that verse in Colossians 1. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. Now, when it says that, it's not telling you, you you can't think about paying your bills or being responsible or getting up and going to work or, you know, again, no, that would t be the wrong way of thinking about it. When Christ was here, as an example, he did occupy himself with doing things that... Uh, relate to sustaining his life or his family or you know he did he grew up he was a carpenter we, we are told and he worked in his father's business so we we do understand that he grew up and he he didn't just say you know i'm here and i'm only uh, gonna think about heavenly things no he part of his responsibility of knowing why he was here in the world. He didn't lose that. He always knew. He says, I, I know, I'm about, even at 12, I'm about my father's business. But there's a balance of that where you, you, you are able to continue to have that motivation while you're here. And then there are some verses where it makes you think, well, you know, it's better to be with the Lord. You know, Yes, it is. That is the better thing. And we're going to talk about that for in a second. But that motivation should not affect the fact that you're here on the battlefield. Now, liken it to a soldier. You know, he's home and it's everything, all the comforts of home. But then he, call, he is called to go on... Uh, duty for, let's say, in the military uh, mission. So he has to pack his bags, leave his home, which I'm sure that's not the preferable thing. But he leaves and goes to serve on a battlefield somewhere far away. Now, in his mind, he's not there on the battlefield only thinking about home. He knows what's happening at home. He understands. But home sent him away on a mission. So what is occupying his mind? Executing the mission that he has before him. That's part of his understanding. If you ask him, what would you prefer? Would you prefer to be here or home? His proper response should be, I prefer to be home. Even if he's home and the war is still raging and he, he's serving at home, he realizes that uh, he wants the same thing, you know, the war to be over. I want to complete the mission. I want to, you know, those are the same motivations, whether he's home or he's actually serving on the battlefield. He has the same motivation. That's how I see uh, these two different states of our being, right? We're either here on the battlefields, 
But if we're on the battlefield and we know we don't belong here, we're, we're, this is not our home, right? This, the world is not our home. Then we must have been sent here for a mission, for you know, for to perform some duty, right? That God wants us to perform. So we realize that, and we know that while we're here, there, there may be suffering. And even if the tent that we live in, the, this house, is, is destroyed, if that happens, not to worry. We have a building of, made from God, not with hand, not with without hands, and eternal in the heavens. God is saying, "Don't not to worry." So He sends us out here in the world, and our objective is to complete the mission, or to do what He has called us to do. Do we prefer to be at home? Yeah, yeah, we we prefer to be at home. That's the the thing, but. Uh, we are happy also to serve, to be able. It is an honor, a privilege, as we say, to serve the Lord in this capacity. Not everyone has this opportunity as we do. So we take that privilege as, uh, you know, God is favoring us highly to say, I'm going to put you in a place where you have the opportunity to serve, to work alongside what I'm doing to complete this, the Father's plan. So that's our motivation. It's, it's constant. It doesn't matter if I'm here, if I'm home. doesn't matter. It's the same motivation. So continuing where it says point B, our, as outlined earlier, there are only two states that we can possibly exist experientially. So when I say experientially, I mean consciously so you don't have consciousness in heaven and here right now we could say we're positionally in heaven in heavenly places but consciously experientially we're here in the world now when it says positionally we're in heaven and seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus <clears throat> that's our position it's not our experience we don't know what it is it is to sit and seat, be seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We experientially, we cannot say we know what that is. But experientially, we can talk a lot about where we are right now and what we're doing. Because our consciousness is here. We experience the now. We live in the now. And even though positionally, like it says in uh, Philippians... Our citizenship is in heaven. We are pilgrims and strangers here. And will we really belong or have a place is in heaven. But it doesn't mean we experience that right now. We experience the now. This world. Or, as the verse would say, home in the body. So that's where the home comes in. It means... It is common to us. It is natural to us. We feel like this is where we belong. You know, the, the body can... And this is why we have experience with this body. This is the only place we have consciousness. We didn't... Even after we got saved, it was God setting up a lot of things for us, changing some things in our spiritual lives and so forth. But positionally, all of that happened. But experientially we're still here right we experience this world so that's the difference home in the body away from the lord so there's two states let's just make sure we know what those two are home in the body away from the lord so we can't make it that we're home in the body and home with the lord right that that would not make sense that would be a contradiction of terms Either one place or the other. Even though, as we're going to see, our motivation stays the same. Where we are is a matter of fact. Right? We can't, it can't be like we're here and there. Or we're here physically, but spiritually we're there. Right? No. Positionally, we're there, yes. C consciously, we're here. If we're alive in this world. That is it. There is a separation of the two. You can't have both. 
So once you die, once you leave this world, you are going to have consciousness in the next. Right? And that's in heavenly places. <laughs> the verse, the context, everything just bears that out. This tells us, no, not to worry. In fact, it is an assurance that if you die in this world, I think, well, not I think, but you, you will experience consciousness in the next. And that is in the heavenly realms and heavenly places. Your father's house prepared for you. Right? I think that's a great encouragement. I, you have to think about that. What is God telling you? He's saying, no matter what happens, I got you. You are not going to slip into some abyss or some darkness or some place where you have to fear and worry that you, you know, you you have no consciousness or something. That that would be fearful to think about. But no, he's telling us, no, you have a home. And when he says he has a home, we have a home, that means we have consciousness. We're going to feel, just like we feel at home in our body here, and we're experiencing our environment. We can, I can look around the room here. I'm not outside, but I can look around. I can see various things, things that are important to me here. And I, I have consciousness. I can interact with these things. I can go outside, interact with the environment. When you are absent from the body and home with the Lord, again, you're going to have experience where you're going to be able to look around and see, identify. You will be suited for the environment that you're in. It will perfectly fit everything about you. You'll be able to interact with the environment. Uh, experience the be in the now of the environment that's that's a, a great assurance we're not missing anything not you're going to be down buried in the ground buried in some tomb and and there for thousands of years and not at all you your consciousness will not cease it will be and, and listen to the way he says it home in the body, away from the Lord. That's a static thing. You're here. You're not there. Home with the Lord, away from the body. You're there in heaven with the Lord and away from the body. You're not experiencing any more of what the body can have. And it's interesting when we think about the body because the body gives us a sense of our environment. And we talk about it in terms of senses. We have so many senses, and that's how we interact. If you can't see or you can't hear, then those are things in the environment that you can't interact with. But you're still here. There's still senses that you can interact with this place that we call on earth, in the world. When you get to heaven, you're going to be obviously in a spiritual sense God does not lack experience because he does not have a body uh, spiritually speaking all of that that we have in the body is relative to what we have here if both places can be called home we have to see it that way so understanding that, we look at this and say, <clears throat> okay, either state we live in, our motivation is the same. What's our motivation again? To complete, right? To, to fulfill the calling which we have received. That's our motivation. So when we are departing from the body, we'll get to that as we think about more. But I put some stars in point number two here because home with the Lord is uh, preferable. Even though that's preferable, we are here in the world out of a sense of duty, honor, love of honor, love of the Father's plan. That's why we're here. That's why we have the motivation to serve. And even if we leave and we get to heaven, we still have 
that motivation. Obviously, we're away from serving on the battlefield. There's no more serving, but it doesn't mean our motivation changes once we get to heaven. We still will have the motivation to uh, for the Father's plan to be complete, right? We will know where we are. Right? It doesn't mean we don't. We can know that we're not at the rapture, but we can know that the whole emphasis of heaven is to complete the work that the, of the Father's plan. That's the whole emphasis. You, you can bet that the, fa the Father's emphasis is to complete his, the plan. The, the Son's emphasis is to complete the plan. The Holy Spirit's emphasis is, is to complete the plan. What should be your emphasis? The same thing. Right? You, will <clears throat> you will have the same motivation. Well, hopefully that's your motivation now. Right? If you don't know what the plan is, then obviously you can't. That goes back to our basic understanding of what we said earlier. Right? We have to know what pleases him in order to please him. That only makes good sense. We can't please the Lord with what we think is important. We have to follow his lead here. Otherwise, we can't even put the word Lord in the sentence. So, so getting back to our outline here, so the it's preferable that we are home, in, uh, away from the body, consciousness with the Lord. That's what's a, we're, what we have. And notice, it is clear that we have consciousness. That's important to the context. Right? So, we don't, so that we don't be found naked. Well, what's naked? That means we don't have any expression of our soul. No body wrapped around our soul means no expression. Abyss, some place where there's non-existence, in between or something. That is not the case for those of us who are believers. Or unbelievers, for that, for that matter. I mean, they're not going to experience the same place we are going to be in. But they're going to have conscious existence in a place where they are. Not in the, in the heavens, right? No, certainly not. But they will have conscious existence. There, there is no, you know, checking out here. We're here. Once God created our souls, we're here. And that's the end of it. Right? We, we exist. So keep moving forward, point C. Home in the body, that is, in the world, on the battlefield where the Lord said, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first, right? So we're just dealing with that. So all these verses, I think we have covered them and in good detail. I'm going to turn to a couple of them, since we do have a little bit of time. John 15, 8. John 15, 8. Eight says, wait a minute, is that wrong? Wrong. It should be 18, right? I said John 15, 8. I'm correcting my notes. Please correct yours. John 15, 18 should say, it says, If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. And... So remember, we, we are just like the Lord in this. And I'm, I'm now moving to John 16 and 33. 33 says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. Then John 17, 11 move to that 1711 says I will remain in the world no longer but they are still in the world and I am coming to you Holy Father now let's just make, make this a thought did Jesus think that when he left here that he would have conscious existence in heaven literally he says, I'm coming to you, Holy Father. He's talking, he's praying to the Father as though he were 
at one address and he was getting ready to travel to the next. I'm going to be there. That's literally how it will happen for us. If we're here, then next thing you know, we're going to be there. We could say, I'm coming, to, I'm in the world now, but I'm coming to you, I'll be there. And that implies then that I will have fellowship, relationship, conscious existence with the Father. Protect them by the power of your name you gave me so that they may be one as we are one. And then 13, right, says, I am coming to you now. This is 1713. I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word and the world has hated them. For they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is that you take that you take them that is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. So why is his prayer not to take us out of the world? It's because there are going to be the foundation of him calling many more sons into glory. So Continuing, uh, 16, they are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you have sent them into the world, I have sent them. I'm sorry, as you have sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. So notice the language here. Very descriptive, very telling of what is happening in this relationship that we have and where what will happen to us when we leave this world. But notice our motivation is the same, to serve. While we're here, we're executing the plan. Just like when Christ was here, he was executing the plan that the Father had for him. Now he's saying, I'm completing, I completed the plan that you have for me here. I'm leaving, I'm coming back to you. Now notice the motivation that he has. And when he gets to, to the Father, you think he's just, okay, I'm gonna, let me just rest. Let me pull out my lawn chair and just sit back and relax. No, his, his intention is still motivated to move forward. He's still leaning forward because there's still more to do. He's still watching over those, interceding for those who are is still in the battle. That's what Christ is doing. He, he knows he still continues to have a role. That's in, even though he's in, a, in heaven. So, so note that um, that's part of the motivation when we talk about whether we're at home in the body or away from it. Point D, let's move forward. Or away from it. That is home with the Lord, which is what we should with Paul, prefer to be. And verse 8, that's was the previous verse, which he gave, his, he's confident, and that's what he would prefer. And I think we should have the same attitude as Paul. We should be confident, meaning we know that that's what's going to happen if we die, and we're not afraid to transition. Right? This is, we know it's going to happen in the future, for all of us, hopefully, if you're here listening to me and you're alive, <laughs> it's future for you. We don't know how we're going to leave here. That shouldn't, still shouldn't scare us. But we should be focused on being confident and courage. And remember, confidence isn't just like, oh, I know. Confidence is, I know and I can be bold with regard to how I manage this. Continue. Continuing, so so that thought of how we behave now, the motivation, we're still leaning forward, right? We should, even though there's a preference. Again, it, it, that preference is not mired by the fact that you know we have this longing to be home and it clouds everything we do here. We can't function down here because we're longing. To, that's not Paul's attitude. Paul fought the good fight. 
finished his course, kept the faith, all those things, which is to say he was persistent in how he managed the time when he was away serving the Lord. Away from the Lord, that is, and home in the body. So our preference should be there. Point E, the implication here is that we will continue to serve when we are with the Lord in heaven. And here's where I made the point, although judgment will not be evaluated in heaven, but only for the things done. When I say in heaven, I mean while we are still uh, waiting for the judgment seat of Christ, right? The time of the judgment seat of Christ, of our evaluation, is only between the time when we are away from the body and the time when the Lord comes with a shout and the voice of the archangel and with the dead in Christ rise first. We receive our resurrection bodies and we who are alive and remain and so forth. Then we get to the judgment seat of Christ. So it only, the judgment only encompasses the time of your sojourn, your pilgrimage on earth. Not the time when you were in heaven, even though you might have had the same attitude to serve. Well, what does that attitude turn into? It, it turns into more of point F of where we're going. Uh, knowledge will continue to increase in heaven until we reach fullness. Now think about this. If it's our goal to reach the fullness and stature of Christ, that's our goal here on earth. And we can read those verses in Ephesians 17, 3, 17 through 19, 4, 11 through 13, that we're all to come to the fullness and stature of Christ. I said, while these verses speak of the now, they have an eternal implications for our calling. So what, what will happen for those of us who didn't fully understand their calling, even though they were in the church, they didn't, right? They're going to continue to learn. Um, this is my thought of it, of how the, the knowledge of the Father's plan, those gaps that they have, they will continue to fill in all the, the knowledge, and they won't have the sin nature there as a hindrance or an obstacle that they have to overcome by faith. They will know what the Father's plan is. They will continue to learn and grow into that until they reach fullness and stature for the Lord. So, now, of course, their rewards, if they haven't, fulfilled the plan of God, well, obviously not. They will not receive a reward when they get to the judgment seat of Christ. But they will know. They will understand even more why. There won't be any misconception because right? they will continue to grow. So they'll be leaning forward. They'll continue to know who, they're, who they are and they'll continue to learn about their role. Uh, not only... Uh, what they should have been doing on earth, what the, what the goal is at this particular juncture of the, the plan of God, which is to call out many sons into glory, and those sons will be witnesses uh, of the Father's plan, of the eternal mystery that is ahead of us here. So that's important. Knowledge will continue to increase in heaven. Right? So you, God's not going to have you there and just ignorant about what's everybody's focused on what the father's plan is right that that's one thing we should have learned while we were here on earth the father is focused on his plan the son is focused on the father's plan the holy spirit is focused on the father's plan right everybody and if it, if it was but us was focused on the father's plan then when we get to heaven those things will obviously God will continue to build our knowledge. Listen, we're not on the wrong side uh, because we didn't perform well on the battlefield. And if we did perform well, obviously we know those things are, are, are understood. So, so keep, keep that in mind. That's, that's the calling that we have. We, we're one body. And we are looking forward to the time when we will be a united one. That means uh, those who are on earth, the, you know, all of uh, 
the church, when God has finished calling out the last son into glory, and he's decided to wrap things up and bring us all home as one, will we'll be what God the Father envisioned from eternity past. Even though there will still be some human history to finish, to continue, to, 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 to get to fruition. What God the Father envisioned when he thought of us will be complete. We will be united to his son. We are his children, sons that are brought to glory. So, so that's important for us to understand that mission that we have. And even after, as we said, we have an eternal role after the resurrection. And, and God still has a purpose for the church beyond the fact that we just get to heaven. And then, let's move forward in our outline, uh, G, assurance. If we have to leave this body that is home, we will be at home with the Lord, consciously continuing our calling and the Father's plan. That's the point that we want to make here. That's how we should see this. That's the assurance that we have. And I hope you are assured now, from reading and understanding these verses, thinking about them, I'm hoping that you're meditating on what it means, like understanding the consciousness that you have and how you feel in the home and the body and what uh, is available to you when we think about experience and consciousness and, and the now. That's what you will have in, in the heavenly realm. Minus, obviously, the sin nature, the body that we live in, and all those things. But, but we will still have the same conscious self-awareness that we have here in the world. That literally is what the text is telling us. So, I know we're getting long into our time, but I will continue uh, with this last point. Much more can be can and should be said here. So I'll look at um, Ephesians 4, 14 and 15 for that. So 14 and 15, obviously this is just right before we get to this place until we all reach unity in the faith and knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of fullness of Christ. So all, notice, unity in the faith until we all reach this point. Not just some of us, all of us. So, listen, our growth on earth can never match this verse. If you think about it, how, when will we all get to unity in the faith. There's never going to be a time. There's always going to be probably spiritual children, as it were. But this verse is speaking of something else. It's speaking of the Father's plan and how we can all come to the knowledge of the truth of that. And he's speaking of a time where we will all be one in this way. So that's the goal whether we're here or whether we are away, whether we're here in the world, learning, understanding our calling, getting our footing, or whether we are away from the body, but we are part of the body of Christ. And we're still continuing to understand that knowledge and that wisdom. So that's important. So verse 15 says, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect mature body of him the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ so notice the body responds to the head listen to this analogy the body needs to have the instructions and knowledge and wisdom to be able to function according to the way the head wants to rule or go Otherwise, we would not be a functional body. 
you you want to go one way the body the head would want to go one way and the body would want to go another but notice the language here in 15 speaking the truth in love we will and we talked about love and that motivation and we talked about truth what that is so truth is not just truth about biblical things in general truth here speaks to our dispensation what god has called us to be what are the unique assets that god has made us sons and so forth speaking the truth in love meaning the motivation to want to fulfill the your father's plan we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ that work starts now and continues when we're in heaven away from the body here and home with the Lord hopefully hopefully you can see the implications and when I say much more can be said I hope you will join me in that conversation. We can continue to explore all of the things relative to our so great salvation. Let's bow our heads as we close. Thank you, Father. We're glad to have this time to talk about these important matters. And these matters affect how we function, our motivation, what you the fears that we may have about the future, uh, assurances that will keep us focused on your eternal purposes. And I'm glad that you have us in mind. Our feelings matter to you. That's why we have assurances. We thank you for the care and love that you've given us through uh, all the different ways that we have it, the Word, our Lord Jesus Christ, the ministry of the Holy Spirit, your eternal purpose for us. Thank you for, for those things. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.